Hi. Thanks for coming. Hey, girl. Thanks for coming. Oh, Hello, and thanks for coming, America. My name is Seth. What is yours? Hi. Jamal is here. <laughs> wow. Um, hello, it's Stony. <laughs> hey, you guys. Welcome back to another rousing week at Thanks for Coming, the most magically gay podcast. We're back, back, back again this week to close out our coming out story. And sorry, but it is all about me this week. <laughs> <laughs> Finally coming to the stage. Yes. Uh, that one bitch that doesn't get tips and sings ballads the whole time. <laughs> Where's my Apollo hook? Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, before we get too into that, I just wanted to catch up with Stoney and Jamal. How was your week this week? Our week was good. Um, nothing really to report. Um, nothing too crazy? Nothing too crazy. We went you guys to a, went to a concert. Yeah, we went to a concert. We went to Beck and Cage the Elephant. Oh, yeah. The Cage the Elephant show. They were they were really awesome live. I'm glad we decided to go to that. And Beck was putting on a pretty good show, too. Yeah, I was actually like cage the elephant like i know like they're popular songs just because you hear them everywhere Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) i I don't really listen to them that much but i did really like the show um and it was a really good show but i enjoyed seeing beck because i've been listening to beck forever so (laughs) he dances Um, like all over the stage like he was just wiggling all over <laughs> was this your first time seeing Beck? Yeah, I've yeah. never seen him. Yeah, because I knew we had talked about it. You were trying to make us go to Forecastle one year in Kentucky, and I don't know, something <laughs> happened and it didn't, <laughs> and we didn't go. Yeah. Um, Cage the Elephant for me, they were one of those bands that popped up on like All Songs Considered and um, or Sound Opinions, one of those podcasts. But I'd been listening to them for a few years, so I was pumped to see them finally. Yeah, I've heard really good things about them. I kind of like you guys, like I hear their singles like on the radio and I really do like all their songs that I hear, but I don't like go out of my way to like listen to like the whole album. Mm -hmm. I know like um, they're kind of like friends with this other band that um, that I really am into group loves. They're kind of like a similar sound too, a little bit. Yeah. So I am really into Cage the Elephant like that style of music so i'm sure they were a really good opening act for beck yeah it was a good fit yeah it was nice well myself i went to see once upon a time in hollywood quentin tarantino's new movie oh cool how was that um it was wild (laughs) (laughs) it was really cool though because you know as a former angelino i guess um probably get some shit for calling myself that but too bad it's my (laughs) podcast you fuckers yeah it's his episode (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah so it was nice to see that because like they would eat at el coyote uh, which i um enjoyed it's like a really old time los angeles staple and then they showed other parts around the city that i recognized in the movie and it was kind of cool to see it it's like sort of like you know about marilyn manson and his like cult family Mm -hmm. and then um this other guy and his um stunt double who like ends up being his like personal assistant sort of thing oh hey reynolds what is he likes the movie too yeah um (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh but yeah so i saw once upon a time in hollywood it was really good i've been spending a lot of time with my parents who have been in town for a few weeks now and we went to bainbridge island last weekend and we went to wine tasting and it was really fun oh now wine tasting sounds really fun all yeah. of that sounds like a blast but i can go for some wine <laughs> yeah, we had this raspberry wine and it was made all with all the raspberries that are grown on like the farm where the vineyard is also. And so um, it was really good. It was like taste really fresh. It was kind of like raspberry jam, but like Ooh. liquid wine. Oh, <laughs> nice. Damn, that sounds delicious. It was nice. It was like warm out too. So, you know, nice dessert wine was really tasty. Ooh, hit the spot, I bet. Yes, girl. <laughs> but um, I guess that's pretty much all... I have to update people on, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, I'm trying to, like, do you think we should just tell the people what's going on? No. I got a new TV. That was exciting. You got a new TV. Yeah, it's a 43-inch TV. So, to me, it seems, like, huge. But for most people, they're probably like, wow, that's lame well we can't tell the people too much but i'm excited for some drag race uk um action yeah we posted a very interesting poll that may help us to guide the direction of the future of this podcast yes i can't wait to see what happens (laughs) i feel like everyone just knows what we're saying (laughs) this is not being vague at all (laughs) (laughs) well they don't know like we've been busy so I don't yeah. know. I'm excited though. I'm currently winking. <laughs> Can you hear the the, the wind wink. and the lash? <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> lashes are blowing in the wind, girl. <laughs> so um well yeah, so I guess that sounds like it's about all there is. <laughs> so we will go ahead and get into the honesty spill of the week, which will happen now. Uh, honesty. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Honest Tea Spill of the Week. This week, we are back, back, back again to talk to you about my gay life and what it was like and how I came out and all that sort of stuff. So I hope you guys all made a cocktail because I sure did because, girl, I am nervous. (laughs) It's Seth's turn, the anchor of the Coming Out series. I can't wait to get into this tea. There's lots of tea, girl. So just before we get too into it, I know um, there's probably like a lot about things that I'm going to talk about that probably Jamal and Stoney don't even know because like even like some of my best friends, like they're like, you never talk about your personal life. Like people didn't know like I had a brother for like a really long time because I just for some reason (laughs) don't talk about myself. That's true. Yeah, I actually always forget you have a brother. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like, I don't know... I don't know. Maybe like talking through this story will like uh, shed a light on us to like these tendencies. But um, but yeah, so that's, I guess, the intro. <laughs> and um, yeah, like, I'll start to get into my story. All right. So I was born in Elkhart, Indiana. That's oh, right. Yeah, I did know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, girl. I'm in a Hoosier. I lo- this episode is just going to be me like, oh. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Sony like, actually doesn't know anything about me at all. <laughs> I remember some of this from like, um, fucking Psy and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 
So when I was four, we moved to Yorktown, Virginia, and um, I have also lived in New York City, San Francisco, North Bay, San Diego, Los Angeles, Indianapolis, (laughs) Bloomington, Indiana, Newport News, Virginia, (laughs) and now Seattle, Washington. Fucking A. She's on tour. (laughs) You're definitely like a gypsy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm my mom, gypsy, gypsy. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, so when people ask me like where I'm from, I don't really know what to tell them. So maybe you guys can like sound off like if you had lived in so many places like that throughout your life, where would you say that you're from i don't know i never know how to answer that question i know like now i tell people some people just hang on to their hometowns like i it's fucking cool to say that you're from anchorage alaska it's just different but um the truth is i've spent my time majority of my time in indianapolis so i'll say something like i'm from indianapolis by way of alaska yeah i guess i mean i went you know lived in virginia from like ages four to 18 but um, I really hate Virginia, as you will <laughs> come mm-hmm. like to know through this episode. So I don't know, girl. You we'll guys help can you sound figure off. It out. Yeah, yeah. Tweet us, us and let me know. Help yeah. us, listeners. <laughs> I always tell people Los Angeles because that's where like the first place I really chose to live after college. So I was like sort of like finding my way, and um, you know, I was just like learning how to be an adult, like sufficient on my own and that sort of thing. And I feel like I learned a lot of life lessons living in Los Angeles. So that's kind of what I tell people. But I'm like, I lived everywhere, girl. I mean, that's fair, though, if that's the place you've connected most with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I guess we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, though. So let's start back in my childhood. I was raised in a Jewish household. So I actually got my 23andMe results back today. (laughs) Oh, like today for real? Yeah, literally today, the day that we're recording this. Oh, wow. And (laughs) so we I found out what I basically already knew (laughs) that I was uh, that I am 98.4 percent Ashkenazi Jewish and what that means is basically at the time you know the regions of like Russia and like Poland and um, other countries uh, Germany in that area like all the lines kind of like have changed like over the time Uh so there's no way to really pinpoint exactly what country I'm from so I'm basically from like the poland area okay and i'm also 0.6 eastern european (laughs) which i think is belarus and uh also i am one percent was it what do they call it vague european or something like that (laughs) just like somewhere in europe oh yeah the kind of like smaller percentage categories yeah but i'm basically like for sure like from poland that area what is now known as poland so anyways fun fact i love that stuff do you know like just not to dive in too deep but like like how did your uh family like immigrate do you know like how that happened was it like before like world war ii or was it like because of world war ii Mm. you know i'm not too sure our we don't have like a lot of good records about like our family like the the way back 
generations and also um just like we just kind of like the the story you know most families people are like oh like this is our story like we immigrated from here from ireland or whatever you know and now we're living here or whatever but that i just was never raised with that information mm-hmm. so i don't really know our our family like didn't really keep good records and they don't really like talk about it so i mm. don't really know okay i was just curious because i i didn't know like yeah i wish i knew girl <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i was raised in a jewish household we went to temple every friday night for services and basically you know that jewish guilt was put into me (laughs) from an early age oh yeah what do you mean by that you know just sort of like you're supposed to be like perfect and you know don't really show your emotions and you're supposed to be like super successful in your life Mm -hmm. and just like basically it's like an unrealistic goal that you'll never be able to fulfill and so you just always feel like you're never like doing good enough that sounds heavy and leave it to family to apply it (laughs) oh trust me they do (laughs) so um yeah so i guess i wanted to sort of preface the rest of my story by saying that i didn't really remember a lot of details about my early childhood i guess they say like you end up blocking out like your traumatic experiences so i'm assuming that's why i don't remember a lot of it so yeah whatever so that's the disclaimer i was always a happy innocent bubbly child but i always sought the approval from everyone the need to fit in was so real for me (laughs) Mm. (laughs) how young would you say that started for you oh just like always like i was always like wanting to like you know have people laughing you like making people laugh and like having a good time i wanted everyone to have a fun time Mm-hmm. And but I always wanted people to like me too. Okay. And in elementary school, I was typically more friends with the teachers more than the students. I would like offer to like do like chores and like help around their classrooms and stuff like that. Oh wow. You're just like a yeah. little adult, weren't you? Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher's <For sure>. pet. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I wanted to spend time with them because Usually that meant I got to stay inside and didn't have to go out for recess. But also it was safe to be in the uh, classroom Mm -hmm. because I was bullied and picked on a lot. And I even remember in third grade, another kid tried to fight me when we were outside. (laughs) Oh, no. Just for like no reason. I don't remember exactly, but I probably thought we were having fun. But he like took offense to something maybe Mm -hmm. or I really can't remember too many details about it, but I do remember definitely being like sort of cornered. Uh, There's like a, there was a fence and you know, there are other people watching. So like you couldn't really like get out of there. So yeah, it's just sort of like flashes of memories. And kids can be assholes too. So it was probably for like no reason at all than to look cool for a moment. Yeah, it very much could be. Like I said, I don't remember a lot of details. So let's just be happy. I remembered anything from my life. Yeah, it's (laughs) shitty either way. (laughs) For sure. So in fourth grade, <laughs> I moved to a Lutheran school, which was kind of weird for a Jewish boy, right? Yeah, that how I don't see the fit. Yeah, well, the Lutheran school, it was um, sort of like a private school, but not really. Um, but it was like an, also in a nicer area. So I wouldn't okay. get like people threatening to fight me as much, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So when I went to this Lutheran school, that's where my love for music really started because in fourth fourth grade my mom like 
kind of pushed me into like pick an activity like you need to do an activity Mm -hmm. and so I chose band and I wanted to play percussion (laughs) oh wow that was your first instrument well, my mom said that I couldn't do percussion. She <laughs> did not want to deal with that, but <laughs> she, she told me that it was because I should choose an instrument that like I could play the melody with. Oh, she's smart. Mom just didn't want no fucking drums in her house. Basically. <laughs> so I picked... The clarinet. Actually, I think it was between clarinet and trumpet, but I ended up going with the clarinet for some reason because I think like less people were picking that and the band teacher like sort of guided me that way. That's so funny. That's how I ended up playing trumpet. I asked them what they needed and the rest is yeah. history. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. Clarinet's like a really beautiful instrument though. Like it, it can be complicated and tricky and gorgeous. It's... I like it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to play. I got the melody sometimes. You know, I wasn't as loud as the trumpets, but it was still fun. Clarinets sound particularly awesome and nice symphonic pieces. Yes. And it was also around this time, uh, maybe this even started earlier. Like I said, I don't remember all the details, but I was also taking piano lessons. Oh, cool. Like extracurricular from school. We would go to like some piano teacher's like office studio. Wow. You were like dove in. Yeah. I remember my first piece of music that I learned how to play like or that I played for a recital was the Muppet Show theme. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really fun to play too. It was like kind of jazzy. Yeah. I like that a lot. And then also either around this time or slightly before I also started playing soccer and I was always like, you know, a bigger, bigger kid, but... I still liked playing soccer. I got to be sort of good at it. And then like eventually they put me on the starting team um, because I was like doing really good, like passing and like getting goals and that sort of thing. So they had me at midfield girl (laughs) soccer star. I know Uh, I always sort of lived in my own world Maybe that's why people didn't always like me because I was like a little bit different. You know, people don't like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would always come home and I would always like sort of entertain myself. Um, I had dinosaur action figures that I would play with a lot and uh, stuff like that. And I also um, would try and create like contraptions or stuff like that, like around my room that would like quote unquote make my life easier <laughs> <laughs> you were like a little invention queen i tried they were usually not successful <laughs> well i was just gonna ask what was your most successful project mm, well i think my most successful one was i wanted to be able to open my door like when my parents would knock at the door while i was laying in bed watching tv <laughs> so oh i like tied a piece of yarn around the door handle and you have to leave it cracked it cannot be open from a completely shut (laughs) position and i like sort of had like the yarn like sort of like draped over my dresser you know to make like my pulley system yeah and because i knew i was like pulley this will be the pulley and then okay and so so eventually like you know i could pull on it and like you know after one pull the yarn would like completely fall off like it's like apparatus but my door would open so i was successful yes that's like a fucking um popper or something just pull it once yeah basically and then i have to like set it all up again (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, like those holiday poppers. Oh, that's funny. You were just like, I wasn't thinking about shit like that when I was that. No, (laughs) I was like 
poop in my pants Seth's or something. Like, I'm just out here <laughs> playing piano and clarinet and inventing things and playing soccer and playing soccer. <laughs> but I also had no friends, so uh, <laughs> it was a lot of time to do activities. Yeah, yeah. So then in middle school, I went to a full on private school and more than ever, I remember feeling lost and not fitting in. And I started to notice here that I have feelings towards girls and boys. I was like, oh, Mm. there's boys are fun, too. Ooh, So middle school, um, what was the atmosphere like in like private school with all that going on inside? Um, it was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, like, I always got teased because I was, you know, like I said, I was always overweight. And so, of course, you know, the, the, you know, chunky yet funky kid, he always gets picked on. (laughs) Yeah. And it's probably like worse too, because like you had uniforms, I assume. Um, not uniforms, but, um, we did have a dress code. So it was like khaki pants and polo shirts. Ugh, khakis are the worst when you're like feeling chunky. Yes. Yeah. Girl. I hate khakis. <laughs> I know. I always felt so uncomfortable. Like, you know, in my skin, I, mm-hmm. you know, would wear the khakis, but it just never fit comfortably. Like, I never felt like comfortable basically in my own right. skin. And the khakis were not helping. Ugh. So. I sort of like, you know, always just expected like that I would like eventually just like marry a girl and just have my kids or whatever, you know, just the normal life. Like mm-hmm. that felt like that was just sort of expected of me. Yeah. Like it would fall into place eventually. Right. But I would also get teased by like everyone, but including girls that would like flirt with me, but just like for the sake of being mean, like, cause then like they would go like, like after the class would be over, they would go like laugh with their like other guys in the class and stuff like that. Oh, that's shitty. Uh, What bitches? Trust me. And at lunch, (laughs) uh, I did, I sort of like sat with like the more like outcast type kids like the nerdier like type kids misfit island but that wasn't really like good either because they were still very mean and basically i just remember like everyone just spent basically like all of lunch just making fun of each other like and like horribly like just saying the most foul shit whoa (laughs) no (laughs) but i sat with them anyways because i wanted to have a group of friends like i didn't want to sit by myself because that would make me even more of a loser yeah and what an early example of like how your own community can tear you down the worst right because i was always as my parents say, a sensitive kid. I think they say that so they didn't have to talk about feelings, but (laughs) as Mm -hmm. my personal opinion, maybe I am overly sensitive. No, that's very on brand for that generation. Yeah, I didn't get much emotional support or connection as a child. It was very like, shake it off. It'll be better tomorrow kind of thing or get over it Yeah, it'll be okay tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And so then I decided, well, if I didn't say anything, then they couldn't make fun of me. But boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Oh no. Did they talk shit because you weren't saying anything? Well, they would just (laughs) sort of start to, you know, nitpick like, oh, your shirt's stupid or like, you know, you're fat or you're gay or whatever, you know, just like it was was a it was a variety of things. 
what the hell? Like people are just like so low and like projecting onto Damn, others. This was like private school, so they're yeah, just, private like, school, middle school. Holy shit! Well, that's why I asked because like <laughs> I don't know, like a lot of it's stereotype most of the time. We know that listeners, but I feel like private school environments are more strict and more venomous at times. Oh yeah, it's much more like doggy dog. Yeah, because it's almost like a snootier kind of shade. And like, this is middle school we're talking about. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, we're just going to send you right to the therapist. We hope you can afford it. Right. (laughs) So around seventh grade, like I was going lessons, studying for my bar mitzvah. And uh, so it was at this point where my parents made me decide between piano lessons and soccer because... All three was too much, too many activities. Oh. Um, so I was really doing good at soccer. Like I was really enjoying it a lot. But ultimately, I chose to stick with piano lessons because I was really into music. The next part is sort of like the, uh, I don't know, this is uncomfortable. But I will say for those of you listening that are triggered by um, sexual assault, maybe you want to skip a, a, a minute or two. So... In Jewish study, everything was going normal. You know, we're just learning the Torah, having the time of our lives. And then eventually towards the end of the studies, the rabbi was would start sitting not in the chair across from the couch, but he would like sit on the couch right next to me. And he would like always get closer and like closer. And it felt very uncomfortable and wrong. Mm. And I think eventually I got to the edge of the couch and there was like the hand on the the knee situation happening oh no yeah but being the the ingenue that i was as a 12 year old i was like oh i've uh gotta go sit over here in this chair or something you know Uh and so i got away nothing too far happened but it was a little bit uncomfortable and i was definitely ready to have my bar mitzvah so this would be over with yeah gosh that's scary yes and later, maybe a few years after my bar mitzvah, our rabbi was removed for molesting the children. So, wow. Oh my gosh. That's so terrible. I escaped, but just wanted to trigger warn anyone because that's the right thing to do. Did that you... is wild and like so foul how people just like prey on young minds like that. Yes, for sure. And that was also sort of like my first, I don't know how you want to say it, like experience with like homosexuality or just like sexuality in general, because mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about that sort of thing at that age. Right. It was kind of forced on you in a way. Did you um, like just curious, but did you ever say anything to your parents about it? Like, did you uh, like tell them later at some point or? I don't think that I did. I think they might have asked me, but I was like, oh, nothing happened. Like, you know, sort of like brushing it off. Like it was uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah. So if they did ask me, it was like that. And then it was dropped basically. Okay. So... Um, so yeah, so that was, you know, um, my bar mitzvah time. <laughs> that's really scary too. And it's fucked up because that's supposed to be a celebration and study of like you becoming a young man too. Is that right? Yeah. The bar mitzvah is like, you know, basically in the eyes of Judaism, it's you come becoming an adult. Okay. And, 
Um, so yeah, so it's but it's also like a celebration with your friends and your family for like celebrating your heritage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I I don't know if I want to say I lucked out, but um, could have been a lot worse for sure. Right. And, and this is something. This is a story I don't tell anybody, <laughs> but I feel like you know it sort of develops a pattern. So mm-hmm. as uncomfortable as it is to talk about, I feel like it's necessary. I wanted to challenge myself to be very honest and like open since I typically am not that way. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Sorry. Like that's obviously not a good situation. So definitely not. And especially, you know, starting to go into puberty and like sort of like having that situation. It's like very strange. Right. In high school, I was still in band. I decided that I also wanted to do chorus because they seemed to be like having a lot of fun. But I think also they seemed like a tight knit group. And I was desperately seeking a group of friends that were nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you need like a complete change of scenery. Yes. New lunch table. Yeah, new lunch table girl. (laughs) Also... Um, so our the chorus teacher I forget what her name is but she was a large woman and <laughs> I, I still to this day remember like we would go to break and she would like go to the candy machine and she would stand by there and she'd be like I love chocolate I love chocolate <laughs> like in an opera voice and we were what? like what the fuck is wrong with you? Can we you could imagine? tell you like chocolate girl. Can you imagine if Instagram was around? Like she that- would have been a meme for sure. She would have been a viral sensation. Absolutely. <laughs> it was wild, but I had fun in chorus. Good. So also in chorus was where I found my first real crush. Uh-oh. It's always a music that does it. This one time. At band camp. (laughs) (laughs) So here I found a cute guy. His name was Matthew Skelton, I believe. If I'm remembering correctly, he was a senior. Okay. And I was a freshman. Uh. (laughs) Ugh. Forbidden love. Uh huh. <laughs> already. Yeah, I'm already was so thirsty. I guess as a <laughs> freshman. <laughs> but uh, so he was a senior. He had dyed blonde hair, and he would wear black fingernail polish. Which, looking back, I don't know how he got away with because that was for sure not in the dress code. Mm. <laughs> and he was like full on like this goth guy. And he would always wear black clothing. Was he like always in detention though? Maybe he was like paying for his look. I don't think he was, but he would always hang out like in the chorus room and like there, like we sort of like developed our friendship and love for music. And during lunch, I would actually go into the chorus room and he was like always in there playing piano, usually Tori Amos. He was, you know, that gay. (laughs) So obviously, uh, Happy Phantom was my new favorite song. Uh (laughs) Uh, because that was the song he played a lot and would sing and I liked being around him and we had this sort of like camaraderie as like the outcasts so one day (laughs) (laughs) so one day Matthew offered to give me my first blow job (laughs) oh and I was how old are you in ninth grade like 13 14 maybe yeah around there yeah around 14 yeah it's kind of uncomfortable for like a senior offering to that to a freshman but anyways so there i was like kind of like shocked you know i felt 
still uncomfortable in my skin and like why would he want to do that with me sort of thing uh-huh. but beyond all that it was like gay and like it wasn't okay to do gay things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so as like as much as i think i sort of wanted it to happen i was like well gay is not okay so i have to tell him no was he like openly out in the school or um... i think it was just sort of like a it was just sort of known because he was very like effeminate and very clearly gay (laughs) yeah like Uh he couldn't like hide like his femininity or whatever like it was more just like people just assumed he was gay or whatever yeah it was just sort of like yeah he's the gay kid Mm -hmm. so so you turned him down yeah i declined his offer how did he take that as i was walking away he did tell me that the offer stood if i changed my mind oh okay well (laughs) well can we get a hold of matthew (laughs) (laughs) well girl okay so while we're on the subject i think it was the next year i don't remember if it was the next year or my senior year this is all sort of fuzzy in my memory but he came back and he was a guest performer and he was like you know in like a a arts college and playing piano and so he came back and girl he went he was like a little bit a little bit chunky but not not really he was like average let's say average because i'm we're not gonna like uphold this unnatural standard of skinniness Uh he was an average boy in high school but when he came back for his performance it's like damn i really fucked up Uh (laughs) like not staying in touch with him Uh. (laughs) you could go say hi drop a pencil bend and snap you know i think at the time i just assumed he wouldn't remember me because he was in college and like cool now Uh uh-huh do you like i'm assuming you don't like have his contact now like not on facebook or anything no i've tried looking before and i just can't find him so he's either not on facebook or i just can't find him Uh. it's really sad so throughout the rest of high school i was like really trying to figure out my sexuality still you know i like guys i was still attracted to girls but being gay in high school was for sure off limits in a private school so i stayed in the closet Because I'd also witnessed my crush Matthew being picked on for being so openly gay. So I was like, well, I don't want to be like treated like him. Right. You're just like in safety mode. Yeah. Try and survive basically. Mm -hmm. Because also being overweight, like really like kind of what I said earlier, killed my self-confidence. And I just like assumed that meant like I was unattractive. People didn't want to like date me or like have like a relationship with me or whatever. I just assumed that was like not a possibility for me. Hmm. So, needless to say, I had a lot of crushes in high school, but nothing ever happened. Because it was also mostly like, you know, there's just this like straight, beautiful guys in our class or whatever. Right. And you're too like afraid in that state to make any moves that you could actually like take next steps, whatever they may be. Yeah, for sure. I was just like... I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have known what to do. Right. I was always so shy, you know, like, especially when it came to like sexuality and having sex or hooking up or however you want to describe it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have a lot of friends still. I had a few friends, but um, I really dreaded going to school every day because it was like a battle to make it through even more so in high school because the bullying was like even worse than ever. So, like, the biggest bully that I remember, his name was Scott. Scott. I'm not saying his last name to even give him that attention. No, Scott's already a pretty, like, common name, so... Yeah. (laughs) We're good, girl. We'll leave him in the sea of Scott's. Yeah. I... 
it got so bad, like I even had to go to the school counselor because I didn't know how to handle the situations I was finding myself in with him. Yikes. So I asked her for help and she said that she would bring him in to talk to him, but that only made it worse. Great. I was going to say, like, I feel like that, like if in my school, like my experience was always if you like even entertain anyone's like bullying like it just makes it worse like mm-hmm. i mean and i didn't go through that bad of stuff but i do remember like <laughs> kids being like like if you even made a reaction to any of the bullies that like fed them it was just like okay well you're not getting any of my tears bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the next day Clearly, she'd like maybe she'd waited a few days and and brought him in. But the next day, I remember he cornered me in the hallway and like sort of like pinned me up against the wall and was like choking me. What? And he told me not to tell anyone about it that like what he was doing now or in the future or it would get worse. Oh my God. What a prick. So I stopped going to see Miss Thatcher <laughs> and I was on my own girl trying to just survive high school. Even in one of my classes, one of my classmates wrote fag on the back of my jacket one time. Lovely. So that jacket had to be thrown away. <laughs> Kids are such trash, I swear. Yeah. But... As horrible as high school was, what I did discover in high school was punk rock music. Mm. So music has always been my escape, but punk rock music was a scene that accepted the outcasts and the freaks and the weirdos. And it was okay. You were celebrated for your differences and everyone like got along basically. Yeah, they were really, the community was exactly that, just Misfit Island Yeah, we were like the, uh, to quote um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, it was the island of misfit toys. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. (laughs) Yes. So that was my escape from school. I would go to concerts and um, I worked at an AMC movie theater and I made friends with a couple people there that were into punk rock music. And we went to Warp Tour together and like concerts and stuff like that. So that was like my fun. Nice. That's good. That's a nice change of pace. Yes. So um, why don't we take a quick stopping point here? because my drink is dry. Um, so I need more alcohol to get through the end of the story. <laughs> Ooh, refill sounds good. So grab yourself a refill if you're drinking. If you are, take a shot for me, because damn, this story is real tragic so far. And <laughs> <laughs> and um, we'll be back with my collegiate experience. Yes. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast so far. Thanks for coming. Right now, we're probably refilling our drinks, or maybe even gluing down our lashes again. While you wait, here are some things that you should check out. Yeah, remember everyone, you can email us, tfcpod at gmail.com, and um, tfcpod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Oh, and one more thing. You're not my real dad, and you never will be. Anyways, back to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Honest Tea Spill of the Week. Sorry that it took so long, but I was having a mental breakdown in the corner during our break. So I've collected myself and I'm ready to trudge on. All right, Queen. We're glad to see you pulled through. So far, so sort of good. 
<laughs> All right, so now it's time to talk about college. So I am one year older than Jamal. My freshman year was fall 2005. So two years. Okay, yeah. So I was in college for two years before Jamal got there. So um, my first year I had tried out for marching band, but I also, like Jamal, did not have marching band. And I was also very fat and out of shape and so i did not make marching band the first year that i was in college i did not know that i did the full week of band camp and then they kindly asked me to leave but the clarinet ai was very nice and she offered to give me clarinet lessons to get my skills up oh that's sweet yeah so then my next semester my next year i did get into it so yes Holla. Thank you, Kelly Cooper. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I remember that fucking audition. She was the best, like, person ever. Just outside of, like, the kindness that she did for me. She was just, like, a fun person to be around, so. That's good. Shout out to her. (laughs) That's a nice, like, energy to have, too, when you're, like in those early years at college too you're still kind of like finding your way yeah she's very motivating and very supportive of Mm -hmm. me and was like we're gonna do this you're gonna get in next year and i was like i don't think i am she's like you will (laughs) i was like okay (laughs) good so that meant i was sort of like on my own like trying to figure out like friends and so i would like hang out with like whoever was like on my floor basically and in college you know, I was still overweight, still not comfortable. My attraction to men had solidified and I was a bona fide bisexual. Mm. <laughs> or so it said on my MySpace profile. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to MySpace. Yes. <laughs> so back to making friends with people on my floor. I remember one night some of the other kids were much more adventurous and they were drinking freshman year on the floor and I was like, I'm not 21 yet. I can't drink. (laughs) Oh, you're so responsible. (laughs) Boy, has that changed. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, like the first week at IU, like I tried a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Jamal was like face first into the bucket of jungle juice. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so there was one night they were drinking in their dorm and there was like this super like super like bodybuilder type muscular dumb jock guy. And I was like, oh, he's like, you know, cute because he has muscles and he's a guy. I don't know. So uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take a lot to please me back then. Right, right. <laughs> so um, there was also another girl in there and she was from uh, one of the floors. So it was like the floors were like guy girl floors. Um, so she was oh, like yeah. from one of the top or bottom floors above us. And... Mm-hmm. Um, so I, she and like the guy were like clearly like doing their dance. Yeah. They were like all over each other. And I don't know why, but he was like, the guy was asking like the other guys on the floor to like feel his abs or his like his muscles like on his arms, like as a way of sort of like showing off to the girl, I think. What? It was really weird and homoerotic. Was, like, some, like, yeah. Like really ritual or something. It was like. Yeah. Like, was there an orgy about to break out? I don't know, but I was still very Someone uncomfortable. Someone was getting sacrificed. Yeah, I <laughs> I was staying away because sex made me uncomfortable still. So they were like all over. And so he was having guys touch him. And then I was like, he was like, to me, he was like, touch my abs or whatever. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And he's like, come on, like, what are you gay? Like, you don't want to touch my abs. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I think it <laughs> makes me less gay not touching your abs. But... <laughs> 
I, was I don't know. So confused for a split second. So straight like, boy logic. Yeah. What the? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> straight people are weird. I don't really know what to tell you. Whoa. And so the girl, I remember, she was like, "Oh well, do you want to like touch my boobs then?" And she like took her top off. <laughs> and. Oh, shit. And so I, I'm like, this is getting really crazy. So I think I pretty much saw my way out of that room as quickly like- as possible. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You could have had a front row ticket to the show. It sounds like a scary movie. Like, it sounds like this lady is about to get murdered. She's like, <laughs> she's like, touch my boobs. And then you like leave and then she gets murdered. <laughs> well, I don't know if I saw her that much afterwards. So it's quite possible. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you say what dorm you lived in? I lived in Ashton Moffat. Oh, that was man. the um, one that had single rooms. Yes. Okay. I lived in Teeter next door to Ashton. Yes. I was at Ashton from my freshman and sophomore year. So weirdly, I was like having my own room my first and second year of college. Okay. We were always in that corner because I was in Teeter and then I was in Igatraz. Yeah, it was pretty nice. That is where like people started to try and get me to join Facebook and stuff like that. They're like, join Facebook. And I'm like, I'm going to pass. That seems like... <laughs> that seems like too cool sorry i'm burping you guys i've drank too much whiskey <laughs> seth if you'd only stayed with that back then could you imagine where you'd be now i know i'd probably be so successful <laughs> 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 but um oh no but yeah so i escaped that so i played <laughs> escape room sex uh and i went back to my dorm room <laughs> because that was making me uncomfortable oh my gosh well at least you had like you knew yourself enough to be like i'm not just gonna do this because that's what you know everybody would do like i don't feel right i'm gonna get out right because a lot of us don't make the smartest decisions when you're like learning and kind of finding your way you're just like it's innocent but it's like those mistakes that can be dangerous if you're not careful yeah but also like judgy seth was like she should respect herself more <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it oh is. Oh my gosh. Like, I didn't say that, but I was like, why is she just being a slut? <laughs> no <laughs> slut shaming. It's fine if you want to be open with your bodies, but I was uncomfortable with my body and right. ergo uncomfortable with sex because the moment, that involved that my body. Was young Seth's honest feelings. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, over our summer break, the year before junior year, I knew that I was not bisexual and that I was gay. Oh, time to change that MySpace girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I ever did. I don't think I changed it. I kept it as bisexual just Listen. to escape the stigma of being gay, but I was not out. You know, if someone asked me, I would tell them. I got to a point where I was like, I'm not going to just volunteer that information. And you know what would always prompt that is because um, I was back working at the AMC movie theater and working. And people would be like, this movie is so gay. And I would be like defensive. And I'm like, oh, really? The movie's gay? Is it having sex with other male movies? It's gay? How does that happen? And they're like, whoa. <laughs> they were not ready, girl. I would have loved to work. I would have loved to be cleaning the popcorn machine in that moment, just so I could hear it. Seth is just like, oh, really? Well, here are the facts. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, tell me how the, tell me how the movie has sex with other male movies. Can you even spell receipts? 
<laughs> yeah. I was like, is, the, is oh, is the pen having sex with other male pens? Is that what's happening? Tell me how oh that happens. Gosh. Explain it to me. Seth I'm so is confrontational. Just reading these queens. <laughs> yeah. They need that shit though. After we passed that, they'd be like, are you gay? And I was like, yeah. And then, <laughs> so that's how I started coming out to people at work. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, holy shit, be careful. Yes. That's funny. Another sort of like moment of me discovering my homosexuality was actually, I think it was the year before that or my junior year. I don't really remember, but I would always hang out at my best friend Erica's house. Actually, I was 20, so probably sophomore year towards the end. And... Uh, she was the one that like peer pressured me into drinking. I was still 20. I wasn't even 21 yet. And I started drinking. I was such a wild child. <laughs> Damn, you waited until you were 20. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. I know. I was like not cool by any means, girl. <laughs> wow. Impressive. And leave it to Erica to crack that shell. Yeah, I think my first shot was 99 bananas. And I was like, Ooh, this isn't that bad. <laughs> Erica I'm was with us um, listeners when Stoney and I got married along with Seth. Yes. She's always there. She's like in our group, you know, our little, yes. our little group there. She's in the group text for sure. So yeah, Eric and I were trouble. We would like, we were really weird, but it was okay because we were being weird together and <laughs> we were both like in band and it was like, okay to be weird now. And like, I could be myself. Um, so one of her roommates, Nick, was in, also in marching band with us. And I remember like thinking how cute Nick was. He was maybe the same age as me because I remember he was a little bit younger than like his grade. I don't really remember. Yeah, he was. He was always like so cute. He was like more effeminate, but like also super confident and like really fierce i guess you would say yes very sure of himself and not in like a cocky kind of sense or like a bitchy way he just knew who he was and he spoke to you as such like he took you very seriously if he was speaking to you he was listening and you could feel that about him yeah for sure and i remember one night we were over there playing ddr dance dance revolution yes (laughs) that was the game wasn't it i love that that fucking game yeah my song that i was really good at was ladies night avi first (laughs) sign you're gay Um, I remember one time, like, you know, we were in between games and some people had gone to get drinks. And I remember he came up and he was like, you have really nice lips. Like, I think you would be a good kisser. Like, do you want to kiss? And I'm like, still in the closet. And so I'm like, oh, no. Like, but I was like, oh, I really want to. But I didn't. So again, I'm like, oh, I'm going to pass. Like, but thank you so much. I really appreciate your kind words. (laughs) You're like, thanks, but no thanks. Oh, Seth. (laughs) I was just like so inspired by Nick, though. Like, I remember one year we went to miss gay iu which was um a drag queen pageant at our through like through our school yes and he came and he would like be wearing like the highest heels and like skinny jeans and i was like damn like i wish like that could be me basically like i wish i could pull that off oh yeah nick wore the best gloss he did not care if he had on women's jeans like that was just who that was his style that's who he was like loud and proud girl yeah yeah, it was, he was such a good example for a lot of us young gays coming up and marching yeah, band. Yeah, absolutely. So from there, um, it was like, you know, in my junior year, I was 
the largest that I had ever been at this point. And it was like to the point where I was like, I don't think they make clothes this big. I really need to start losing weight or else bad things are going to happen. Like, I don't know, something like I just got to the point where I was like, I have to lose weight. So mm-hmm. I would start eating healthier over like the second semester. And then over the summer, I was eating healthier and I was working out a lot. Um, we had a treadmill at my house at home. So I was able to do that. And I would walk for like two hours a day. Oh, nice. And it also helped. I continued my healthy wave. I'd lost like quite a bit of weight and I was continuing and we would do like every Monday through Friday, we would do an hour and 15 minutes of marching band. And then on Saturdays, if there was a game, we were marching for games. Yeah. But in addition to that, I was still walking two hours a day. (laughs) So you're doing that on top of the marching band schedule. Yes, girl. I had Uh. to lose weight. (laughs) Good for you. <laughs> yeah. So um, at this point, I was also openly gay to my friends in college and no one else. <laughs> and um, so at this point, I thought it was my time to shine. I was feeling more comfortable in my skin and putting myself out there more. Um, I went on a gay chat site and I met another gay gentleman who was in the closet also, or he was in the closet. I think I was out at that time something but anyways he lived with his parents still he was not in college i think he was just working he decided not to go to college or something anyways so he lived with his parents and it was like out of bloomington and so like his parents were like super like oh where are you going what are you doing so if he didn't have a good excuse like he wouldn't be able to come see me Mm -hmm. um so i remember though like the first time like he came over i was like we're just gonna like get to know each other we're gonna be friends and he showed up and i was like wow like Jared is so cute and he was a twink and (laughs) we were in love. Well, I was in love with him. (laughs) Of course. Damn it. My first, like, finally, my first, like, sexual experience. We're, like, finally feeling comfortable enough to do that. Yeah, that's a big step. It was. I was like starting to feel my oats because I was like in shape now so then after our like time of like fooling around he was uh, scheduled to go on family vacation so I'm like whoa what the heck and then this other guy Chad slips into my MySpace DMs Uh (laughs) and I'm like wow I'm like super cool playing the field now and um (laughs) vintage DMs yeah so then i met chad and we're back to like my goth boy love from matthew skelton and (laughs) we went on our first date we met at hot topic (laughs) oh my gosh did you buy t-shirts together i think we did girl patches (laughs) yes (laughs) then we found our way back to my apartment where I lost my virginity, finally. Oh, (laughs) celebrations. Yes, Yes, girl. Pop the bottles. Everything was great. I was finally being accepted. And then um, he also lived out of town, like an hour out of town. So I was in tasked into t- driving him home the next day. Oh. And on the way home, we were being so cute, like holding hands. And he asked me to be his boyfriend. Oh. So it was like all so quickly, but uh, I yeah. was feeling accepted and given attention. So I'm like, okay, let's see where this goes. I mean, why not? Yeah, just we're testing it out, girl. It's also kind of fun to just live in that kind of like fairy tale whirlwind for a second. I think we've all done it. Yeah. 
So then the next day, I think I called him. I'm like, when are we going to hang out next? And he like made up some like excuse about not being able to. And it sort of like kept happening and happening. So I guess that was like his way of breaking up with me so the ghosting begun right so i like trusted him and like i'd already had kind of trust issues because i just assumed that people were always like out to get me like always making fun of me or like you know i was always guarded basically and right. and so i thought i could trust him i gave him my flower and he then broke up with me the next day and what an asshole because oh it's like he knew he was going to do that. Probably. And why would you ask to be like, why would you say, do you want to be my boyfriend? Right. Like, it's just like so shitty. Yeah. I don't know. But it's actually kind of funny because later after I moved back and was living in Indianapolis, he would be one of the actors at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And uh, I saw him there and I was like, oh my God, like that's him. And he recognized me still, I think for some reason. And he was like, oh, like then introducing me. He's like, oh, like this is Seth. We used to date. <laughs> and I was like, this is so weird. Yeah. We used to date. We hooked up once. Yeah. But was I also he... found out. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I said, was he like going to IU at that point then? Or I don't think he was like the college type. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I, don't, I mean, he wasn't very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Shade. But, <laughs> but then I also found out that Chad was trans and I was like, oh, cool. Like, oh. so fun times. So then I was broken up with. So now I'm back to like lusting over Jared all the time. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, he's like the love of my life. I, me amore, je t'aime, you know. <laughs> so, so like, Somehow we would always like find our way back to each other. Like even up until 2016, like, you know, we would go for per- long periods of time where we wouldn't talk, but then we would be back and like everything was normal again. Mm. We would hook up again. <laughs> and, um. and then, and then eventually we would drift apart, like that sort of thing. So this happened like even all the way up to like 2016 when I moved away to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was nothing ever serious but like i eventually i just had to sort of like mentally like cut him off because the last time we hooked up he was like he had initiated of course because i always let him initiate it because i didn't want to go in expecting that mm-hmm. and, he, and then after it was all over he was like that was really weird and i was like why is it weird and he was like i don't know you're like my brother and i was like what What the fuck this is so weird <laughs> what the hell <laughs> what i don't know what you do with your brother but it, like no thanks girl what like, why would you, what inspires you to say that in that moment? <laughs> I don't he know. He was just really nervous. That, he said that out loud. He might have just been like nervous and like said something. Out loud. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So here we are again. Like I'm on my second guy trying to make shit happen. And <laughs> again, I'm just like tossed to the curb. Ugh, you just can't catch a break with these guys. I know. So then... The big moment of my coming out. I was at home for winter break my senior year and I was sitting in my room braiding a new necklace like any totally not gay person would do. Listen, I was making all the friendship bracelets, okay? Yes. (laughs) And my mom came in and she 
was uh, you can immediately you could tell it was something serious. And I was like, oh, did I do something wrong? Like, am I in trouble? Mm-hmm. And so then she comes and she sits on the bed and like immediately starts crying. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and she's like, you know that I'll love you like no matter what, right? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, so like I my guess my brother had like found my MySpace profile oh. and told that my parents that I was bisexual. Oh. Interesting. I didn't think your brother would like stumble. I didn't even put that together. Like that profile was out there. Yeah, girl. It was not blocked or private or anything. Did he I just was... like search for you? Like Um, well, you know, back in MySpace times you could search nearby me. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I think that's probably how. Okay. Oh. I forgot about that feature. Yeah. So now I was out. <laughs> My mom came out for me. <laughs> Wait, so did she like yeah, did you ask you about bisexuality it? or was she just kind of like, or did you have to explain to her that you were gay and not bisexual? Well, no, I mean, it was, we were going through a lot. So I was like, yeah, I'm bisexual. Sure. That's fine. <laughs> I was like, she knows that I'm interested in men. And to me, that's all that mattered really. Like I didn't yeah. really feel that I needed to define it as gay because whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. So my dad and I never really talked about it that much. And it was just sort of like understood between us that I was gay or bisexual, whatever. And I remember when I graduated college, like I got this like pep talk, like go out into the world and do really good things. But like they knew I was gay or bisexual or whatever. And they were like, you know, it's a very lonely lifestyle. So like just be ready. And, you know, guys might try and use you for money and stuff like that so just be careful with yourself and it wasn't like they're like oh like frowning upon my sexuality is more like just watch out it's you know a tough lifestyle yeah they were concerned yeah and um so then from that point you know it's like i would hook on hook up with people like from the apps and stuff like that it was never anything serious i was after college like less physically active so i started gaining all the weight i had lost back uh that's the worst yeah again i was uncomfortable in my own skin Mm -hmm. i felt like really unaccepted by the gay community now that i'm out like and not and gaining weight though so it's like oh well now i'm not like as skinny as i was even when i was my skinniest i still didn't really feel like skinny uh yeah it's just like so messed up that cycle yeah but i i did make a lot of gay friends when i was in bloomington i was there after i moved to la came back to bloomington for one year um moved back came back to indianapolis but at the time when I was in Indiana post-college, I was basically hanging with all gay friends. And I had a little group of like all gay people. And I actually was like really only hanging out with gay people. And I was like, wow, like this is like such a shift like in my life. I was not really hanging out with like straight people that much. And I was like, this is cool. Like I sort of felt like accepted in the gay community, even though I wasn't, you know, some hot thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Like I never really thought yeah. about that. Like I've never been in an exclusively queer circle. Yeah, it was really fun. And um, I was not in school. So I was always at Uncle E's. Like I would go there and hang out with um, one of our friends that was a bartender there. And, you know, like I would go watch like Wheel of Fortune there and have a drink to keep him company while it was like slow and stuff like that. <laughs> and eventually he um met a professor at the school and they 
were dating they are now married yes but they would always have like these big gay parties at their house and I, at first i was like wow this is so cool like we're all having fun we're all gay like yeah i got a little wild and crazy but i call them the gay american pie parties yeah <laughs> it's like that perspective <laughs> right because then there was a point where it sort of shifted from being fun and gay like you're hanging out with your gay like buddies to like sex like who are we gonna hang who are we gonna hook up with tonight sort of pretty like much thing. pretty much and, and that was like the focus it wasn't like we're having fun it was like oh like i have to impress like someone to have sex with tonight and of course at that point you know i was larger and i didn't feel comfortable and everyone was hooking up and i wasn't so i felt like dejected and and that was odd too for like people who'd been around longer than you know the newer people because we used to just like throw pong all night and just like chill yeah and it was like again like sex 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 which was like not my scene i wanted to have a meaningful relationship i was like old-fashioned yeah and you know we're not like we don't want to be like sex shaming or anything like people have your fun but like we're just clearly on different pages right right i had my hookups from time to time but i had to work harder to get them girl so right right um but yeah so eventually i sort of like started like separating myself and not going to the parties and you know during part of the time like i said i moved back to la for a year then back to indianapolis so then i was hanging out with jamal and stoney and we were like hanging out all the time and it was really fun we would go to drag shows together all the time yes we miss that so much i know (laughs) i miss having friends to go to drag shows with we haven't really ventured out into indies like drag scene besides seeing the Rue girls when they come through. Yeah, we need to change that. I need to come visit or something. Yeah, and explore. But um, but yeah. So that was really like another fun period of time. Like where I, I was able to exist in gay spaces and feel comfortable, and it was real fun. And then eventually, like I was just like not, you know, I was in a job I didn't like, and I was like, I need to like I, you know, the Midwest is not for me. I need to go back to the West Coast. So I moved back to. The west coast via seattle yeah so here i am in seattle now we're like caught up and i was like you know as far as my like gay life i was like oh like this is gonna be so great like i'm a weirdo i'm gonna thrive there's so many weird people in seattle like everyone's so accepting of like different lifestyles or in different types of bodies and stuff but um that's actually not the case and the gay scene here is like awful (laughs) and if you're not like in hiking shape like they won't even acknowledge you and like they aren't very friendly and they like come with in their little groups and they aren't they don't really venture out of their little group so it's like really hard to like meet people uh it's just like super clicky oh yeah hiking shape yeah like if you're not like fit they're not interested like not even to be friends with they won't even they still won't even talk to you like they is it's just like I don't exist. I'm like a fly on the wall to these people. And uh. it's really like a shame and disappointing. You know, at this point in my life, like I thought I would probably be like married or in a serious relationship and like successful and like having like a job that I liked and stuff like that. But I always have to fight my inner saboteur <laughs> because I don't <laughs> feel like, uh, you know, because that hasn't happened for me. So I'm like, oh, it's fine. Like, just keep doing you. Like, it's going to happen. I'm like, all right, girl, we're getting like old. We need to settle down <laughs> with somebody. Well, and that's just the thing too. Like you have to decide what happiness and success actually is. You can't go off of some social construct. 
So whatever that looks like for you, like if that's what you want, then you'll strive for those things. But otherwise, yeah. it's going to be something else. It should be based off what makes you happy, not what like a perfect ideal is. What's expected so... of us. Right. And that's one thing Jamal and Stoney both know about me is that I am 100% me, whether it's weird, inappropriate, <laughs> oversharing, over-emotional, too sensitive. I'm always like authentically myself. <laughs> so yes, this is I true. <laughs> am unwilling to compromise my sense of self <laughs> to please other people. You know, like I'm not... But you shouldn't like, you shouldn't, I mean, you're doing the right thing, right? Like we as gay people like grow up trying so hard not to be ourselves. So like when you finally come out, like mm-hmm. that's all you should be doing is trying to be yourself. That's right. Um. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm st- like constantly on my fitness journey. Hopefully I can like stick with it. You know, if uh, these people like aren't gonna be into me because of like you know my size and they don't give me a chance to get to know me really it's only their loss so I'm not really too stressed about it I mean of course you know I'm always fighting that inner saboteur like you should be with someone it's like and I'm like you know like if like what RuPaul says if you can't love yourself then how the hell are you gonna love anybody else and I'm always like I think I'm fucking awesome so like what aren't people coming here (laughs) and so then like people aren't coming to me so then i get depressed and i'm like it's like such a circle of life girl yes you have the right idea by starting with you like that's been like such a struggle for even stoney and i this year just like trying to make sure that we're at least being active because it helps you feel better about yourself and then you know losing weight as a bonus but we're like dreading winter because we're like oh no we're not going to be able to go walk (laughs) what are we gonna do we're carbo loading girl oh no but you'll find like you'll find that groove and you'll get into it and it's gonna start to feel good because that's kind of like where we're at now right and i don't expect to be like as skinny as i was in college or anything like that but i want to at least feel good in my skin and be like in shape and not like i don't know so large like you know i just want to be like more in shape basically i don't have to be skinny or like have abs or anything like that but i just want to feel like comfortable in my skin and like lose some weight like a lot of weight but not like something you know more realistic i think is what i'm trying to say it's truly inside out like for us even like we haven't like really used the scale we go based on how our clothes are fitting and how we're feeling yeah yeah (laughs) i mean it's like it's hard like I mean I've always been up and down with my weight like I think I've reached a point now where it's like I want to like exercise and do well but like I'm no longer going to like monitor like the scale anymore like Mm -hmm. because it's just like not worth it to like beat yourself up it's like this is my body type and your weight goes up and down naturally right like this is like who I am so like for you like I think you know, you're, you're kind of the same way as me. Like you've struggled with your weight too. So just like focus on, you know, trying to eat healthy exercise, but don't like put unrealistic goals on yourself. Right. Like we're never going, like for me personally, like I'm never going to be like, you know, like the Insta thought like or anything. (laughs) So I'm not going to like try to do that. 
<laughs> yeah, and for me, like, I'll weigh myself maybe, like, once a month, and I'll track, like, my body fat percentage, but because you can weigh yourself every week, but you have to realize, like, people listening, like, your weight fluctuates throughout the week just based on your activity and whatever you're doing. So, like, as soon as you see that you've gained two pounds, like, that feeling just wipes out all positivity you've done yeah it just like makes it so much harder so just give yourself those realistic goals and keep it light (laughs) yeah that's where i'm at for sure now so like i'm i hope the whole story itself wasn't too horribly depressing or whatever like my life by no means was like horrible all the time like you know school is definitely a struggle like through high school is definitely a struggle um but my parents like were always like supportive while they weren't always like um wanting to talk about my feelings or like they were saying i'm too sensitive or whatever but they were very supportive and like motivating and trying mm-hmm. to push me to like be the best that i can be but in the end they really just want me to be happy yeah so when i make decisions to like move or like try something different they're always so supportive of me and i really appreciate it so if for some reason they are listening and they made it this far love you guys actually so here's the end of the story the end of my story let's end it with something like a little bit better so (laughs) so the end of the story so i was watching the movie boy erased um whenever that was out on video i don't know if you guys do you guys see that movie i haven't watched it. i haven't oh it's a very emotional movie about this boy who um is a very religious family but is gay and he comes out and they make him go to like conversion camp or whatever it's like be straight again Uh. and so it was just like so traumatic and it was so sad like you know his story and so i remember like after it was over i was like watching the credits like crying profusely and I, t- I remember I texted my parents and I was like um just wanted to thank you guys like so much for always being so supportive of me like and like my sexuality and thank you guys so much like I really appreciate you guys and I love you and then they texted me back and it was really nice it was a nice moment oh. for us that's sweet i like that story yeah that's good so there's a good end to the story for you guys because you know like i for sure have dark humor and i'm not always like the cheeriest but i did want to end on a happier note so hopefully that did it for you i think it did i think the the listeners will enjoy that that was sweet i think it was good because we all had like three like very different stories i feel like very much so (laughs) i was like what i was like kept putting mine off till the very end because i was like just like had so much anxiety about like opening up more and sharing how my life was like growing up so you know i try to always be positive now even when i am being negative it's like you know like you know dark humor or whatever you know like because it's just like sort of like how i am i'm like let's just try and make something horrible happy yeah yeah i feel it i can relate so yeah this is like a super long one so do you let's do a quick trade and then we will bounce the fuck out of here for you guys yes trade (laughs) (laughs) goodbye (laughs) goodbye (laughs) trade All right, you guys, welcome back to our trade segment where I will be sharing my retro trade of like who I was into when I was first discovering my sexuality. Um, So I was obsessed with 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like, <sighs> through middle school and high school. It ended as I was graduating high school. So, like, Buffy was over and I was, like, going to college. So I, like, had grown up with her, basically. That's oh what I got God. into later. Yeah. It was so good. So I was basically attracted to, like, all, <laughs> all of the guys on that show. So, <laughs> um, so we had Nicholas Brendan, James Morristers, all the hot guy vampires that, that would be, like, guest stars. That whole cast was pretty, pretty sexy. Which one? The whole cast was pretty sexy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. The guy that played Riley, I forget his name. Oh, I liked him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was like my trade, but I was also like obsessed with like Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes. Those were the boys of the now, weren't <laughs> they? Like Leo. Yeah, I was obsessed, girl. I loved Home Improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Man of the house. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I think my like major trade, like I've mentioned before, was Eric Von Detton. Like yes. I thought he was hot shit, so sexy. Whoever the other brunette guy in Brink, I also thought he was hot too. I don't know. I was just like, everyone's hot. <laughs> yeah. You're just like <laughs> raging. You have a catalog. Yeah, it was a lot, girl. But yeah, so that's like a time capsule of of my crushes back then. I had posters of them all on my wall because Amazing. I was really into acting and like they were so good at <laughs> acting. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. <laughs> yeah, girl. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for sticking it out. I know this was maybe a tougher podcast to get through, but I'm so happy that you guys made it to the end and we're going to move on to other fun content next week. Um, it's a surprise. So make sure you're stay tuned and make sure you're subscribed. We didn't get any new reviews this week so if you guys could leave some over the next couple weeks we will read yours on the next podcast yes do it tell your friends to do the same yes girl all right well we are signing out for this week do you want to you want to take us out stony <laughs> oh my god it's so much pressure <laughs> hang on goodbye bye you guys <laughs> goodbye <laughs> goodbye <laughs> Ooh.